Hello, hello, my name is Clark Heron, a.k.a. The Harry Hobo, and welcome to episode 2 of season 2 of AKA Sports. And if you're listening to us, or if you want to know where to find us, simply go to anchor.fm slash AKA Sports, or you can find us on Facebook at uh, facebook.com slash AKA Sports FB. Again, that is anchor.fm slash AKA Sports or facebook.com slash aka sports fb on multiple different podcast sites like uh apple podcast breaker podcast republic podcast uh, we're all over the place so again check us out uh give us some comments maybe some topics that you want us to talk about in the future but today we'll be talking about a subject that's both uh, near and dear to both myself and fletch fletch uh welcome in um, glad to have you back here once again. This topic uh, was presented by you. Um, it was a topic that uh, it's very controversial depending on your view of everything. And before we really get dived into it, uh, let's do a little bit of a backstory here. The reason for the topic is we want to try and figure out the best way for a high school athlete when it comes to basketball to make it to the professional level in the NBA. Obviously, over the years, there has been more and more avenues that have opened up uh, to give each one of these athletes uh, basically some very difficult decisions depending on uh, their situations. So let's start off back in the olden days, um, uh, back in the A, I mean, really back the starting of basketball, it was basically college. That was really your only option. Uh, you would go to college, you would play Sometimes you would have to play at least three years in order to uh, move on to the NBA. Some of them couldn't even play as freshmen. Uh, but basically, that was your only avenue. And then, all of a sudden, we got into about the mid to late 90s, I would believe, uh, maybe even a little bit sooner. Uh, a lot of these high school athletes got really, really good. And the likes of, you know, Kobe Bryant, LeBron James, uh Kevin Garnett, just to name a few, uh, started going straight from high school, bypassing college, and going straight to the NBA. Um, that was an avenue up until 2005. Um, beginning in 2006 season, that is when the one-and-done rule came into play, where the NBA uh, created the one-and-done rule, basically stating that you had to sit out at least one year after high school and be at least 19 years old before you can come play in the NBA, which... That decision alone forced this, uh, athletes to kind of make a decision on, do I go to college? Do I wait out a year and kind of sit out an entire year? Uh, but that's when the NBA also created, back in 2001, what was called the D-League at the time. Just here recently in 2017-2018 actually got changed to the G-League because a majority uh, partner, Gatorade, took it over. But that league has been in existence since 2001, and that's kind of the NBA's way of having a minor league system to allow athletes to go straight from high school to the G League, get basically training directly for NBA games, not college sports, but for the NBA. Um, we haven't really seen it take off for the most part. There has been a few names here recently, and we'll get into those later. Um, but really, the only other option beyond that was if you had to sit out a year, you would went overseas, maybe played over in Europe or Australia uh, and playing in those leagues. But those are the type of routes and avenues. And Fletch, I'm going to have you jump in here. Let's go ahead and actually reverse the order here. We're going to start off with the, the G League. Uh, 
first tell us and tell everybody what your thoughts are on the G League and what kind of grade on a and like A B grading scale. Uh, what would you grade the G League when it comes to helping high school athletes get to that next step and get to the NBA? Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. So, um, with the, with this whole topic, man, it's uh, I, I love the fact that there are so many different avenues. But sticking with the G League, one thing about the G League, and, and I'm gonna go ahead and just we're gonna give the grade up front. <clears throat> I'm gonna go ahead and give them a, a B plus on this. Um, the only thing holding me back from an A is just I would love to see it uh, kind of flourish a little bit more. But just as of recently, players have been able to enter the G League out of high school versus either going to college, going overseas, sitting out a year, etc. Um, this has allowed them to kind of get some good um, practice, playing time, experience against other professionals or other players like them. The level in the G League uh, is is very similar to college. So if you like college basketball – G League basketball is essentially, to me, um, and many others, really on, on a very similar level. We're starting to see some players that are going from high school to the G League and then to the NBA. More recently, more recently with Jalen Green of the uh, Houston Rockets. So um, that's something that's a, an avenue that is beginning to open up. Um, I do like the fact that that is available because it does get you one, it gets you a paycheck. Um, you're not having to go p- play for free anywhere. Two. You get to stay within the United States. So if you're scared of, you know, going overseas and playing ball there and then coming back, you have this option here in the States. And also, too, it's affiliated with the NBA. So you're constantly working with uh, coaches, um, assistant coaches, scouts, front office uh, staff, management, um, trainers that are professional level, you know, NBA level personnel. Um, that that experience is, is second to none. You don't get that in college. You don't get that necessarily to the same extent in a lot of the leagues overseas. So for that reason, um, the only thing I have them at a B plus uh, personally, but only reason I don't have them at an A is the short time frame that that has been allowed. Um, I would love to see that flourish a little bit more and see a lot more players, um, you know, going to the G League and then go to the NBA. And for those at home that are wondering where the hell can I watch a G League game? I believe they're free on YouTube, if I'm not mistaken. Um, So you can, you know, punch in YouTube. You can watch live games. I believe you can watch reruns. uh, NBA TV plays some G League every once in a while for those at home. Uh, So there are some ways to watch these G League games. And um, a lot of these are affiliate teams, very similar how baseball has, like, affiliates underneath them in in either the same city or nearby cities. NBA does the same thing. Um, So for that reason, I mean, again, that's where I'm at with it. B plus, very, very good uh, – uh, league, very good process as far as what a kid can do. And I don't think you get paid a lot, but at least you are going to be, you know, receiving a paycheck, but also getting that pro level, you know, coaching, pro level training, pro level, uh, you know, maintenance really on your body, play level, uh, pro level conditioning, um, you know, uh, pro level film study, like the list goes on, the list goes on. That's why I like the G League a lot. Agreed, and I was actually reading an article talking about it. Now, this was a little bit of an older article or actual uh, an actual paper that was written. And they were talking about back in the summer of 2019, the G League was looking to offer select contracts to elite prospects worth around $125,000 um, to these high school athletes to come to the G League as an incentive. And really... What kind of leads me into my next question for you, Fletch, because obviously they have to put in some type of incentive because not only is the G League 
basically very similar to like overseas play where you're playing more professional athletes, maybe not to the same talent level, depending on who you play and where you go. Uh, but if I guess the question would be for you, besides being close to home, what kind of benefits would you see or what kind of uh, cons would you see uh, if you decided to go overseas compared to the G League? Um, the, the league that you actually play in essentially can be the con. Um, I, I believe that overseas is honestly a close second, uh, to the G league. Um, the reason being is that there are some really good pro leagues overseas. The problem with the overseas is you may not actually get to play if you're not that good. Um, we're talking not just the, the G league. Yes, there are some grown men in the G league, but essentially when you go to the G league, and after so long, when you don't make it, a lot of those players end up overseas, end up not playing, end up becoming assistant coaches, becoming scouts, uh, becoming, you know, uh, staff within the front office. That's what a lot of those older players that are in the G League eventually turn out to be. Whereas in over, when you're playing in Spain, um, Australia, uh, just a few of the countries that I would recognize, you know, how, how good those leagues are um, in those leagues specifically you're 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 in a good spot but the problem is you may not play because you're playing against grown men those are the leagues where if a player doesn't make the jumps in the nba from overseas but he's actually from that country then he's just going to stick it out and play with that country i'll use arvita sabonis as a good example a uh, great player uh for the trailblazers in the like the 90s early 2000s uh one thing about him people say if he had came over earlier he very well may be a Hall of Famer and be well, a lot more regarded in basketball lore in general. Whereas he had such a long career overseas and then came over here when he was in more so in the twilight of his career and still was able to be very, very uh, uh, functional and effective on the court. And um, that just, we just got to see a flash of what he was in his latter days. That's what I mean as far as you're playing against grown men. Most player, A lot of players are not making that jump overseas. We only hear about the ones that do. Um, so that's one thing I will say about the overseas that's going to be a big con is that you're playing, yes, you're playing against pro-level talent, but one, you have to be aware of the league that you're joining, where it's like Australia and Spain, for instance, I know have very good leagues. Um, more, most notably that just recently came out of, out of the Australian league is LaMelo Ball. Um, and there's a few other leagues as well. I know France has a very good league. Um, a few European countries um, I'm not even going to try to pronounce them all. I know there's a few over there that do have really good leagues, like, for instance, the one Luka Doncic came from. Uh, so uh, you do get a little bit of that, but a lot of those prospects, they come over young um, and they come over early. Whereas if you are a high school kid and you're not elite elite, you might get lost in the shuffle. Uh, so that, that those are the biggest pro or biggest cons. The biggest pros about the about the international game, though, Clark, is really the pay. I believe you in, in, in a lot of cases, if you're good enough, obviously, you can you get paid more in some places it's no taxes. So you don't get any of the money actually taken from you at all. Uh, you bring home everything that they say you're going to make. Whereas here, even in the United States with the NBA, whatever they say so-and-so's contract is, they're not bringing home all of that. Um, you know, they got to pay taxes as well. We know how much taxes are on millionaires and it's no hiding from it, especially being the fact that we see their contract extensions blasted on the screen throughout the month of july so 
Um, <laughs> that's that's uh that's kind of the reality of it is is overseas you can get paid more, but you may not actually get an opportunity to play as soon as you would like to if you're not elite elite. And when I say that, I mean like lottery pick. Agreed, and I still remember the old picture of Kobe playing overseas against an Italy league, uh, playing against grown men, and I think he was 16, 17 years old at the time. He was young, but he was very, very good, clearly, uh, of how his career turned out. Let's wrap up on this. Obviously, I like where the G League is headed. I like what the G League is doing, bringing in... Uh, top-level talent to get them NBA-ready right away. Obviously, there's a clear difference between what the G League, how they run their offenses compared to what college does. Uh, it's going to be more so closely, uh, closer to the international versus what college would be. Um, mm-hmm. But what I like of what the G League is going to do, and I think what I see for the G League, is the G League will probably continue to grow, hopefully. Uh, at this point, then... If they continue to grow and they're still looking for teams to play or a, other leagues to kind of join into the fold, you could be looking at more of an expansion internationally. Clearly, we have to get past this whole COVID scenario in order for this to really take fruit. Uh, but you could be looking at, you know, traveling over for a while and playing a few games over in Europe and Australia and uh, it, it could happen or at least help in the long run, potentially help the NBA expand. They've been trying their hardest to try and get into places like China for a while that loves the NBA. Obviously, mm-hmm. Europe is big into basketball now. Um, clearly, they're still taking on the world's sport. That will probably never uh, happen. But I like where the G League is headed. I like that it, just like you mentioned before, that it gives these players another alternative, just another opportunity that in case they don't want to go international, they can stay here in the States and get very good. Think of it kind of like a like a really advanced AAU type scenario. Uh, exactly. Where they, you just have another option rather than having to play with your high school team. You can go play there. Uh but let's go ahead and move on to the one-and-done rule. Clearly, the NBA uh, put that into effect back in 2005-2006 season. Uh, the one-and-done rule, clearly it states that you have to sit out at least a year unless until you're at least 19, and then you can come play. Uh, there was talks, at least based on the research that I did, that uh, that rule could be removed as early as last year, but obviously nothing has really changed at this point. Uh for me, I, I like and I don't like the one-and-done rule at the same time. There's there's a lot of for and against. Obviously, me being a Kentucky Wildcats fan in college, John Calipari basically opening his, hand, opening his arms to the idea of bringing in this talent for just one year. Um, most years, it doesn't really work that well. You see a lot of his teams struggle to meld together until a little bit later in the season. Uh, they, they struggle to really find their footing. Uh, but then there's other times where they have a few players stay a couple years, uh, stay for another year, and then all of a sudden you bring in the super talent and all of a sudden you're winning a national championship. So there are pros and cons to it if you do it right. Uh, Fletch, let's start with you again. Uh, what's your thoughts on the one and done? Do you think it should stay? Do you think it should go? 
What are you thinking? I'll be honest, man. I'm torn on this. I'm not. I'm not big on forcing people to go to college to enter your profession. I'm just not. I've never been that way. I feel like uh, if I'm 18 years old, um, I'm able to go enlist in the army. Um, I'm able to, you know, go buy a pack of smokes. At least you used to be able to. Um, I should be able to go to the league, and I, I've always felt this way. Um, but on the flip side, just being, you know, I love basketball. The thing that's the thing that's the, the issue was the reason why the one and done rule was implemented. We we I think we need to go back to that. Is a lot of players, and I mean a lot of players, were making that jump from high school to pro, and a lot of players didn't pan out. We just hear about the notable ones, and I'll just mention the ones from like the the last era that we just kind of remember, know and love. And you mentioned a couple of them already with uh, Kevin Garnett and Kobe Bryant. Uh, Jermaine O'Neal, Tracy McGrady, Stephen Jackson, Rashard Lewis. These are all names we kind of know just being basketball fans. Uh, Amari Stoudemire, LeBron James, Andrew Bynum, so on and so forth. The list goes on. Dwight Howard, I'm sorry. Disrespectful to leave him off this list as well. Uh, Josh Smith and J.R. Smith, Al Jefferson. These are all names that either were uh, all-stars, well-known starters, um, and or some of these guys, obviously, uh, Hall of Fame and, and champions. Um, but we, we forget about the ones that didn't pan out, like your Sebastian Telfairs, like your Martell Websters, your Darrell Wrights. These are guys, yes, if they went to college, they may have came into the league and only been role players to begin with. But them coming out early did them no good. That is the reason why they implemented the rule, because the early 2000s was saturated with essentially bad basketball players. We're just going to call it what it is. Um, moving on to the one that we're done rule and its current effectiveness is you've seen a lot of coaches adapt to this, and I think we talked about this off air, if I'm not mistaken, uh, at least some point in the time, um, not today, but just recently about Coach K adapting to the one and done rule. If you we remember, Coach K was against the one and done rule when it first started. And if you notice, a lot of Duke players they lasted two, three, four years. JJ Reddick went all four years. Uh, for instance, and that was in the time frame where a lot of cats were making a jump and a lot of cats were also considering just doing a one and done thing too. Coach K then adapted and ended up winning a title with a bunch of one and done guys. Kentucky, John Cal made it very popular to go with the one and done guys. Um, traditionally, you had these teams that had, you know, guys that were just, you know, they come in, like you said earlier in the, in the show, they played, you know, to year two, three maybe four, because honestly, they didn't get enough burn as a freshman to even consider making that jump. So that's just some things to put in perspective and the reason why we're here with the one and done rule. But I think what it's done for college, it has unfortunately saturated college now with a lot of these guys that really don't give a damn about the college game. They're going to play college one year because essentially they had to. Where, they, where, where college may not be able to fix it, that's where I think the G League did is they allowed those players instead of, you know what, I'm not going to go to Duke and just be there for a year. I'm going to go play in the G League and then make that jump. Um, so I think what we what we noticed is that first the one and done rule to me was negative. Um, it didn't really do any good for the college game. It only helped the professional game. But now with the emergence of the G League, with the emergence of this going overseas trend, that has now alleviated a lot of that where high school players don't have to just go to college for one year, saturate the college game with a lot of guys that don't want to be there, and then go pro. 
the guys that are going to these colleges, even if it is for one year, they actually do want to be there. Um, it's what we're finding. Um, a couple of notable things to mention too, Clark, kind of while we're on this topic, because I just want to bring up the high school thing. And necessarily, it wasn't a trend until KG did it in 95. However, it's been around. Can you do you? Uh, there is one guy that was first, and we're not going to mention him because it's, his name is Reggie Harding. He came into the league in, I believe, 96, 90, or excuse me, 62, 63 season. But he, I think he like set out a year and then went pro. So I'm going to quiz you a little bit here, Clark. Clark. Okay. Who was the first player um, to go straight from high school to NBA with no player, with no playing in between? Hmm, I think I should a, know this. And he is a legend. <sighs> and we'll leave the top 15, 20 all-time NBA players to a whole different show, but he's in my top 15. Top 15? <sighs> I do not know. You're going to have to let me know. Okay, so... This gentleman uh, graduated from high school in 74. This is when the ABA was still available. In ABA, it was a lot more easy to get into. I'll just be completely honest. But the pro-level talent was still there for those. Don't don't get it twisted. If you go watch some old ABA tapes, it's just more flashy, but the level of talent was still there. That's the reason why the merger was so – the merger worked out. Essentially, um, he played in the ABA, ABA for a year right after high school and then went to the NBA the following year because of the merger. This gentleman's name is Moses Malone. He was the first one. Um, had some great years, uh, mainly with Philadelphia. I believe he has two rings, uh, multiple MVPs, if I'm not mistaken. If you go look at the numbers, it's like 30 and 15. Um, and that was that's kind of what made it cool. And you saw a little bit of wave of that in, in the 70s. The next year, Daryl Dawkins, Chocolate Thunder, those remember the guy from the Sixers that breaks the backboards. That's what I'm talking about. He was this next guy. Uh, some gentleman by the name of Will, Bill Willoughby was next. And then we did get another guy until the late 80s, Sean Kemp, uh, who essentially would have went to Kentucky, uh, got into some trouble, ended up not going, entered the draft the next year, and it was totally fine. Um, so j- just some history for the, for the people at home that may be curious about when this whole high school wave started and how we kind of got to where we got now. It had been a thing, but it hadn't been popularized uh, Kevin Kevin Garnett was really the first one to really open those doors because in the following year, the floodgates opened um, and you just saw multiple multiple guys come out of high school every year. So um, essentially, Clark, we're kind of on a grading system, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, it was interesting that your, your first list didn't have Kwame Brown listed there. I was a little surprised that. We're not missing any Kwame Brown. <laughs> Kwame Brown would be on the same list with, unfortunately, Sebastian Belfair, uh, guys of that nature, man. Oh, and, don't and, don't and, disrespect and, the other guys like that. Oh, no, no, I don't, I don't get me wrong. And I'll be honest, man, I was a huge Sebastian Telfair uh, fan coming out of high school. He had the whole ESPN movie, and he had, like, Jay-Z and Rick Pitino in the movie. They showed it to his high school game. He's from Brooklyn with the Lincoln High School. For those that remember the movie He Got Game, that's the high school I'm talking about. Stephon Marbury's cousin. Like, there's a lot of – Sebastian Telfair we thought was going to be the next great small point guard and then got to the league and couldn't shoot, and that was pretty much all she wrote. Um, Should have went to Louisville like he had planned to in the first place and, and go play for Rick Pitino. 
But um, nonetheless, I don't want to necessarily class these guys. I'm not here to knock anybody. I'm 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 uh I don't really like to call people bust. Sometimes it just doesn't work out. What I will say though is you're, we're kind of still on topic of the one and done rule. I personally would would have given the one and done rule an F throughout the early excuse me the late 2000s early 2010s. As of now, I don't think that college has necessarily corrected this. I just think the circumstances has changed, and now the one and done rule is not so much a terrible thing because I think you do have guys that are going to college that actually want to play in college because they understand that's where most of the elite talent is that is going to go to the next level. Like the draft is still college loaded. Don't get me wrong. So I think that's where you want to be if you're going to play against the highest level talent of young of, of uh, with a young group of players that are coming out with you, and also just build that camaraderie with your you know with your school, your your classmates, and your team, and everything. It's also a very cool experience that you can't really trade in for anything else. Me and you, Clark, know this just by going to college, not necessarily having, not necessarily playing anything, but still going. You know what I mean? So right, it's it's an experience that you just can't you can't exchange that. Um, but at the same time. Um, it is something that I think nowadays we're starting to see it with uh, Blanchero at Duke, Holmgren at uh, Gonzaga, uh, Imani Bates over at Memphis. I think these guys really wanted to go to these schools um, or at least go to college, and these are the colleges that won. And if you look at their whole recruiting path, which, I mean, I granted I do, and I don't know who, him, how many of those at home do as well, but a lot of these guys, they seem to be committed before even issuing your high school to these same colleges that they're playing for right now. So it's not like, oh, you know, I had to weigh my options and uh, see either go overseas. Hmm. Should I go to the G League? Hmm. Or should I just sit out a year and go train? Or do I go to Duke? It wasn't like that. These guys were going to go to a college. And that's what their whole plan was, you know, from from day one, at least at least with what it looks like on, on the outside looking in. So the one and done rule is really a, a, a not a terrible thing anymore. Um, I would I would honestly grade that a C. Where I was or overseas, I would put that as also probably a B minus to a C. But then I feel like G League. I just I really like that option amongst everything else, Clark. Agreed, and I think what we'll see moving forward, if the G League continues to progress and get bigger and bigger, uh, we may see the NBA remove that one and done um, from its books, but. Uh, we'll see what happens. Obviously, part of the reason why they put the one and done one and done in there was they thought that uh, these athletes coming out of high school were not physically ready or mentally ready for not just the game but the responsibilities of being a professional athlete. Which, in all fairness, even when you look at the NFL, where you have to play at least three years in college and then go to the NFL, we see plenty of athletes that go bankrupt because they spend all their money. Uh, they're financially Un, basically uneducated, or if they were, they just didn't pay attention or didn't care. Um, no, you got it I mean, right. Financially illiterate. That is, I, I, yeah. I'll, be, I'll be the one to say it. That is correct, sir. <laughs> yeah, it happens all the time. I remember each college is trains these athletes, not just in financial, but they're also talking about public speaking. They talk about uh, social media is huge over the last you know 15 years or so. Uh, they're trying to educate them throughout that process and if you're coming straight from high school depending on what your situation is who your friends are who your family is sometimes you just don't get that or necessary education to where all of a sudden you're you're making some bad decisions that kind of catch up with you at the end uh so that's kind of one of the pros of going to college is getting that piece of the education now as for getting mba ready 
it like you said early on the one and done rule was bad uh it didn't really help things it helped mitigate an issue that the nba saw because there were so many of these players coming in that just are terrible that just wasn't going to work out but as college coaches and their and their teams have evolved and learned how to adapt to the one and dones uh the teams like coach k and duke finding hey I'm still going to have a boatload of guys that are going to be here three or four years, but I'm just going to pick, you know, a few players here and there to help bring in that talent and really load things through. Uh, very rarely will you see, you know, the year of, you know, Carmelo Anthony leading the Syracuse to a national championship. It, it, it's rare that that happens. It's tough. I would like to see a rule somewhat instituted, but if the G League takes off, if international play really kind of melds with that and really helps things out, I don't think we're going to need the one-and-done rule. You're, you're just going to take it out. You're going to allow these high school athletes to make a decision. Do you want to go to college where you're going to get sometimes great coaching depending on where you're recruited, uh, it, depending on how invested you are in that scenario, or if you want to go to the G League and play there for a year before you get NBA draft eligible, something along those lines. It may not be a one-and-done uh, it might be like a like a modified one and done almost to where, I mean, I don't know if I would want them to be forced to play in the G League for one year, but I mean, if I'm the NBA, obviously the owners want to put out a product onto the court that's going to sell tickets, that's going to sell merchandise. I mean, at the end of the day, we got to remember, this is money driven. This is the whole purpose of this thing was somewhere along the line, like, college didn't want to see all these great players go straight to the nba obviously talk to the nba they put the rule in to help keep some of those athletes in college for at least one year but it's money driven at the end of the day it is it, it really is so we'll see how it evolves now here's the big question i think we're at the point of this discussion i think you've already kind of answered that i think you you're siding with the g league over international play and over college correct personally that would be if i was a high level uh senior in high school personally that is the route that i would take i i think i would have to agree with you now i'm gonna put the money thing aside for a hot second and say that's sure. probably the best route when it comes to training because you're gonna have professional coaches you're gonna actually play nba style basketball versus college where if you went to syracuse you're playing the two three defense guess what you're never playing the two three defense in the pros it's that's never gonna happen that's right. exactly why they don't get drafted yeah it's tough there's gonna be those situations where if you go to princeton you're playing you know the princeton style offense that you never see in the nba it's you have to be an elite shooter. You have to be an elite defender or you have to be elite at something. And there's a lot of those situations, like we mentioned in college, that they're just not getting them ready for the NBA, which is why you see a lot of the one and dones go to Kentucky that has proven to get them NBA ready to go on to the next level. Duke as well. Uh, there's several other teams in that. Now, if we put money into it again. We have international money, like you mentioned before. They get paid a salary and likely tax-free. Uh, the G League gets you a salary. I think they're trying to be competitively based to the international games so they don't go overseas. They keep them here. And then you have college, which obviously the NIL is now a part of it. 
Uh, they're able to go out and find sponsorships. So it's not a salary, clearly. But that's just on the surface. Obviously, there's going to be money exchanged underneath the table. We all know that. We saw that with the Adidas f or shoe scandal with multiple different teams that likely is still happening with other organizations that I'll keep out for now, but I can guarantee you it's happening elsewhere. Now they're just, instead of funneling it through a shoe deal or an agent, they're funneling it through NIL. So money-wise for these athletes, that's where the big question is probably for a lot of the very high-end guys, the ones yep. that are getting paid the most. Where can I go to get paid the most and still get trained and still get the experience needed to move on to the next level, assuming you need it? Because, I mean, there's going to be guys just like Carmelo Anthony. He didn't have to go to Syracuse. He could have played in the NBA right away. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Kevin Durant, the same way. He could have easily played in the NBA. A little bit skinnier version, but he could have played. He was a little uh, late, though. I will say he was a little late. He, he missed the cutoff. It's true. A little late to the party. Uh, so there are going to be those generational talents that come into it. Now, uh, there's also the names that we thought was generational, like Ben Simmons. He's playing in the NBA. He still has a team. He's still, well, at this point, he's is he playing right now? I would. I, I'm gonna. As much as I don't like Ben Simmons' scandal or saga, not a scandal, saga right now, is I'll still put him in the category of being a generational talent, just because of how young he still is and how much career he essentially has left. To answer the question, no, he's not playing right now. He is on the Sixers roster. He's on payroll. Um, it's just a matter of if he's gonna play for the Sixers or if they're gonna trade him. Um, we that's something we've mentioned on on the podcast in season one, but. Yeah, that's kind of where that whole situation's at. But I would still list him as, and I wouldn't. I don't know about generational talent, but I'll say elite though. Just you don't see that coming out of high school or college every year. Yeah, he was he was definitely very talented. Probably could have been even more talented if he actually worked hard. Um, obviously, there's a lot of rumors about his work ethic uh, when it comes to that. But we'll put that aside for now. But to answer the question, when it comes to the money wise. College is still going to be king at this point. There is so much money involved. Even in college basketball, there is a ton of money. The NCAA makes $100 million every single year off of their tournament in March. It's money. Every single school and conference gets a million dollars per win in that tournament. They get separated amongst the conference members. It's there. It's driven. Now, can the G League and the internationals compete with that? I think internationals technically could, depending on what kind of money they have. They're going to be spending more money on the world sport versus yeah. basketball. So it may not get to that point. But so for just to wrap this all up, we're both with the G League. We both really like that idea. I think that will probably push out the one and done rule or at least modify it in such a way to allow uh, athletes from high school to go straight to like basically like a minor league system for the NBA to get direct NBA contact and uh, what they do versus going to college. But as for money-wise, college is still king at this point um, up until something changes. Maybe the NCAA moves away or uh, the, the sport evolves to another level to where they're playing more NBA-style basketball versus what they've done over the years. Right. We'll see what happens. Obviously, uh, there's a lot 
to go on here. Obviously, there's going to be a lot of change uh, over the years as well, but uh, we both like the G League. We both like where it's going. We saw what happened with Jalen Green, how good he was right out of the gate versus mm -hmm. some of the college students that came in through the draft. So good things with the G League. We will see what they can do. Uh, any final thoughts before we move on to some picks this week? Yeah, you actually bring up a really good point. <clears throat> Not to prolong too much, but at the same time, the point that you brought up was uh, the NIL. That's where now I believe with this settle this this being the standard now, we saw this more so with football because it was rolled out right before football season started. Football players were the biggest advocates for this. However, any other sport can benefit from this as well. And what I will say is this. It depends on the level of player I am. I'm actually going to take back what I, my, my, what I said. It depends on the level of player. The reason why I say that, if I may, again, a lottery pick for sure, top 10 pick, we'll say even top 10 pick for sure, I very well may pick the college route because I know I can build a brand in college now where I couldn't just last year. Think about how much Zion Williamson would have made at Duke. Yes. I just want to throw that out there. Him blowing his sneakers on TV – was probably the most played thing in college basketball that season. Um, if and you saw the endorsements that he received when he got to the league. Um, I and the reason why I'm going to go back on that, I will say college is king, and I agree with you on that. And that's actually where I think I would actually go now because of this NIL. If I'm that high level of talent. Um, that goes for, you know, any really anybody on that Duke squad between Cam Reddish, R.J. Barrett, and, and Zion Williamson. Um, if the NIL was was there, I don't know if those three players actually play together because they might want to go elsewhere. So they're the focal point. Therefore, they're always seen and not hitting behind one another. Um, and that way they could make more money for themselves. The only issue is I would, I would worry about if somebody is just going to college to make money versus going to college to play. That that's going to go back to how much does that player really love the game, and that's something scouts and coaches I have to figure out themselves. There's a lot of great coaches and scouts between college and professional that will probably be able to weed those guys out. So that's another area that I'm not too worried. And I think Clark, that's what's really curbing the not the need for not having to change a rule with the one and done. I used to agree with you on the point where you brought up there needs to be some type of implemented um, uh, or a modification of the one and done rule. Um, I used to believe that I think if you go to college, you have to stay two years or you get to forget college and go straight to pro. Like, I feel like that players and that was where my thought process was when I when the one and done rule was first implemented for the first maybe five, six years of it. I didn't want I, I was I was big, big in not forcing them to go to school. But if they went, you got to stay two years because this one and done thing is killing the game at college. So I think this NIL curbs that. The G League curbs that. International play curbs that. Um, if, you, if you're deeper into it as well, this overtime thing that high school players can do now uh, curbs that as well. Uh, Max McClung, who's on, in the G League, I believe, on the Lakers G League squad, if I'm not mistaken, he was huge on the overtime uh, app where all his high school highlights were amazing. Then he goes to Georgetown, does almost nothing. I ain't going to say nothing, nothing, but doesn't do what we thought he was going to do, goes to Texas Tech for his last year, has a decent year, goes to the league, and, I'm, and I don't know if he was drafted or not, but I know he ended up on the Lakers uh, summer league team, and I think he's on their roster in the G League. So that's just, that's, that's just the most recent example. 
of somebody taking, uh, you know, using, you know, all the different approaches. And that's the other thing, too, I want to throw out. Just because you go to college doesn't mean you can't go to the G League as well. You can go from college to the G League. You can go overseas and go to the G League. You can go from the G League to overseas if you wanted to. The only thing you can't do is do all these other things and then go to college. That's the only thing you can't do. So, um, yeah, I, I that's why I, I want to change my my uh, my preference on what I would do if I was a elite eighteen year old ready to go pro or you know I think I'm good enough. I probably would still probably go to college for a year due to the NIL agreement, and I know I could possibly blow up just over that alone. And again. Most of the elite talent that I'm going to be playing every night for 30 to 40 games in the season come from college um, at the end of the day. What we're now seeing, though, is the lottery having a few players that take different routes like LaMelo Ball, like Jalen Green, like Luka Doncic. I mean, he was international anyways, but we see international players sometimes go to college as well, whereas he didn't. So, um, yeah, I just want to throw that out there. That's kind of my last, you know, I, I would wrap that up saying that. Um, and then also just wanted to want to mention the fact that um, when it comes to these high school players and, and trying to make a decision, weigh your options, man. Like weigh your options, understand the pros and cons of all of it, um, and also understand your circumstances. There are some guys that have no choice. I don't know if we see a LeBron James had he had to go somewhere else to go play basketball unless he was funded illegally because of his living situations. Uh, his living situation, I should say. Um, you know, there's a lot of guys that are just without. They live in projects. They live in, you know, te terrible communities, um, broken families. And essentially, they need a payday. Um, and that's what you're able to go get a payday now in all three. Um, what do we want to call these? These uh, The tier below the NBA. Because I don't know if one's that much in front of another. Um, I think the talent pool in college is a lot bigger, but I don't know if any one of them is better than another when it comes to the talent. Um, so that 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 you you can make money now in college. You can now make money going to the G League. You can now make money going overseas. Um, and you have options now. Understand those options and understand which one of these are more guaranteed dollars versus dollars you got to go get. And then make your decision based on your circumstances and what you feel like is the best, you know, for you. So that's that's what I would leave it with personally. Um, and I, yeah, I, I would wrap it up with that, man. Agreed. Yes, definitely go out there, do your research, make sure that you have a good group around you, either friends, family, uh, whoever it is that they can continue to help guide you and make sure that along the way you're making all the right decisions, not just for you and your family, but for your career and your financial situations, too many have fallen off of that path. Um, use those as examples moving forward. And uh, yeah, you're going to have a phenomenal career and have generational wealth to really help your family for quite some time. Hell, Kwame Brown, we, I, I, we ragged on him a little bit, man. But how long did Kwame Brown play in the league? Played for quite a few At least years. Yeah. years. He was drafted in 01. I, I feel like I, see, I saw him on the court as late as 2012, 13, 14, possibly. I mean, you're talking about a 12 year career where a guy made some money. I mean, he's not playing for pennies. The, the minimum contract in the league is six figures. And I'm sure he saw seven figures everywhere he went. He was still seven feet. So, yeah. Yeah, there's still. Yeah, absolutely. There's definitely enough talent there. Uh, 
to continue his career there. He was very fortunate to stay healthy, unlike the likes of like Greg Olden, for yeah. example. Just <clears throat> staying healthy, being able to play. But yes, uh, yeah, that was a phenomenal topic there. Let us go ahead and finish off this uh, podcast here. We got some picks to make. And uh, we are down to uh, four games this weekend. Obviously, two on Saturday. We have the Bengals at the Titans. We have the Niners at the Packers. And then we have on Sunday the Rams at the Buccaneers. And then the Bills versus the Chiefs. And Oh, yeah. Uh, Fletch, your hot take lasted about a quarter, maybe quarter yeah. and a half. If that. Um, so, luckily, you don't have to choose the Eagles anymore. You don't have to worry about that hot take. Um but I will go ahead and pick. I think I had the Bengals winning this game, so I'm going to have the Bengals moving on uh, to the uh, to the next round. I think it's the AFC Championship game at this point. Um, and then for the Niners versus Packers, I would love to see my Niners win this one. I really would. But I don't know the status of Joey Bosa, who or not Joey Bosa, Nick Bosa, who su- suffered a concussion last game. Fred Warner. Twisted his ankle. Is he going to play? Jimmy G has a slight sprained shoulder. Is he going to play? Uh, injuries have pa- or have uh, Man, built up at this point. So, sadly, I'll pick the Packers at Lambeau to move on to the NZ- or NFC Championship game. Uh, as for the Rams-Bucks, uh, I believe with this one, I had the Buccaneers winning, so I will have them winning at home. Again, don't love it, but it, it's Tom Brady it's going to get things done. Um, and then the Bills versus the Chiefs, this is, could be one of those wonderful games to watch. Uh, both teams clicking at this point, not as well as the Bills, who just scores touchdowns. That's all they do. That's having themselves a perfect game last week. That will not happen this week in Kansas City. But I like Buffalo to edge this one out. I don't know how mm-hmm. they're going to do it. But I think Josh Allen is playing at a super high level at this point. The Bills get it done. Fletch, who do you got? Two things before I get my picks. One, I'm sorry for my hot take. I apologize. It was, it was, it was, uh, I don't even know what you call it. I don't even know what you call it. It was a terrible take, Clark. I, I, I truly believed the way the Eagles had been playing down the stretch. I know they hadn't played any like great teams or anything like that. But the way they had been playing down the stretch on offense and defense led me to believe a banged-up Bucks team may get upset. I was completely wrong. Uh, nonetheless, moving on. The second thing that I want to mention is the status of Derrick Henry is up in the air. We will find out actually tomorrow. Uh, it is 7.07 here on a Thursday night, and that literally just came across my screen here on ESPN. So I just want to throw that out there for those at home. Um, we will know Friday the 21st if Derrick Henry will play this weekend. Um, nonetheless, I will get into these picks, man. I'll start with the, uh, the Bengals game. Was it Bengals Titans? Yep. All right. Bengals Titans. Um, again, we're dealing with a little bit of unknown. I love wild card teams. I really do. And I don't mean like the wild card teams that make it, that don't win the division. I just mean the teams that play in the wild card. They just seem to have a little bit more momentum. Um, they, the Bengals have been playing well as of late had some big games that they've won Kansas City notably won last week another notable win uh first win in, in Bengals history in playoffs in I don't know how long before we were born 25 um, years oh really it's just 25 okay I'm not that young all right all right that's cool um 
nonetheless, I got the Bengals edging this one out. Um, I, I think they get it done. I like the way they've been playing. Um, defense kind of worries me a little bit just because I know the defense is not necessarily elite, but I think it's good enough to hold Tennessee to just enough points where Joe Burrow can go out and do his thing. Tennessee's defense has been pretty strong, though, as of late. So I think we'll see a really, really good game. If Derrick Derrick Henry plays and they and they beat those Bengals, you know, I'm not gonna be surprised. If I knew Derrick Henry was playing for a fact, I very well may flip my pick. Um, that's just a, that's a game breaker right there, man. Um, it's about one of the best players in the league. So, but for now, I have the Bengals, knowing what I know now. Um, moving on uh, to, I'll give you my Tampa Bay LA pick. I'm going with the Rams. I've been high on the Rams all year. I love what they were able to do last week and really just you know pummeling the Cardinals. Uh, I love Kyler Murray, but they made him look like a child. Um, it was it was uh, elite football, elite football. And Matt Stafford didn't even have to bring the guns out. Uh, Cooper Cup didn't really get much work. They got him in rhythm late in the game, which I think is going to roll over into this game. Um, Odell is, is clearly a threat. For those that just believe his career was over, he wasn't possibly going to be elite again, I, I, we're seeing flashes. I mean, I think he scored a touchdown in almost every game this year except one. So... Here we are. Uh, I got the Rams beating the Buccaneers. I just I feel better about them than I do the situation you mentioned it like not really being like too high on the Bucks, but it's hard to get better against Tom Brady. But I'm gonna go for it. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, that's my other pick, and then uh, we'll bring it back to the AFC here. Uh, we got Bills Chiefs, right? Mm-hmm. I can't wait for this one, man. This is the is this the last game on Sunday? Correct. It's a hell of a way to end the end the way. This is my favorite playoff weekend. Wild card is cool, but you get a lot of teams that might not, that might shouldn't be there, like the Raiders necessarily squeaking in barely. The Eagles, the the who who am I who am I leaving off here, man? Like you just, it, it's just. I mean, sometimes you just get these teams that are just you know they they kind of squeaked in a little bit. Steelers, um, Raiders, yeah, th- those teams like that. Um, not saying they're bad, but I mean. In years past, they wouldn't be in the playoffs until they expanded. Nonetheless, this this weekend is where the it's the elite eight, if you will. I, I fully expect to see the Bills Chiefs game to be fireworks. I don't know if it's going to be high scoring fireworks. I just I'm just saying, great game. I would expect the score to be north of the 30s for both teams. If you're a betting man, whatever the over under over is, I think pick the over. Neither of these defenses are like going to shut you down. They both have great players on defense that can cause some havoc, but no one to really like these are not shut down defenses, but these are definitely all pro level quarterbacks um, with all pro level receivers. Um, I got got the Chiefs winning this one barely. And another thing I want to bring up before I go to the last game here, I heard some heard some chatter about like Josh Allen. If he doesn't win this game, what does that say? It's like pump the brakes. He's been in the league, what, Clark, three years now? Mm hmm. Near MVP candidate the last two seasons. I believe he was number one in fantasy last season. If not number one, close by. Um, why, why? I don't understand a loss to the Chiefs in the divisional round, especially if they lose it close. It's not a disappointment for his career for and, and start to, to raise these questions. Have we not been watching Josh Allen over the last three years to understand that he's an elite franchise quarterback? That is what he is. Just because he didn't get over the hump this year doesn't mean he won't give it over the hump next year, the year after, the year after. And let's be real, get him a better running game. Get him a little bit more players on defense. You know, they'll be in good shape. They look better this year because they have a reliable tight end all of a sudden in Dawson Knox. That that is one thing that I could see this elevated that offense. So 
nonetheless, nonetheless, I just wanted to kind of mention that I saw that and it kind of rubbed me the wrong way because I just feel like it's way too early to be counting this guy out when uh, Baker Mayfield's on his fourth year and he's been delegated the starter for year five already. That that's that's just ridiculous to me. Uh, so I have, but I do again going back to my picks. I have the Chiefs winning that game. Very good game. I can't wait to watch that one. Um, and now for the last the last game. Um, I believe this is the other NFC matchup. The Clark, NFC. help me out with this one. Yeah, uh, Niners Packers. Niners Packers. Yeah, I. I oh man, your Niners are dealing with three. Honestly, three of the most important players on the team being out. Um, that's going to be tough. I've been on record saying like the Rams and Chiefs are my Super Bowl pick, but so, my gut tells me that somehow Aaron Rodgers and the Packers are going to win the title this year. And he's going to ride off into the sunset, whether it be with another team or he's going to call it a day. I don't think he'll be a Green Bay Packer anymore. You'll never see number 12 there again after this season, uh, win or lose. But I just I, I have this eerie feeling that he's going to pull something off this year. And I have them honestly winning fairly large against the Niners. Very nice pick. So we will see how those work out this weekend. Hopefully we can get all these games to be really, really good. They're really uh, building up and shaping up to be that way. Um, again, hopefully my Niners can get healthy and make this a really good game. If they can't get healthy, yeah, we're probably looking at Green Bay winning this, uh, winning the game and moving on to the NFC Championship game. Well, Fletch, <clears throat> another episode in the books. We had a great conversation about uh, paths for the high school athlete trying to get to the NBA, either through college, either through international play or the G League, both kind of deciding that uh, for most athletes, the G League is probably the best alternative uh, versus those that are very top end talents, probably still college due to the NIL scenario. Um, and then obviously we made our picks just now for the NFL I'm glad that you're not giving us a hot take this week. Um, no, it no. didn't work out quite well last week, but maybe, just maybe, if we get to the championship games, you might have another one for us. Uh, <laughs> oh man, we'll see, we'll see. Hey, Clark, really quick before we close, wrap up the show, I do want to tell the people at home: uh, Jimmy Garoppolo and Frank Warner are, are go uh, this weekend. Awesome, awesome, very good news. I would love to hear Nick Bosa. He's on track. Uh, he's on what track. They're saying well. mm-hmm. well, he's on, you know how the concussion protocols go. They got to really go to the end of the week and all that crazy stuff. I I, I get it. We just got to wait and see on that one. It's very true. I mean, he is a, a force when he is in there. Uh, but hopefully we can enjoy this weekend's games. Hopefully these games will be really, really good. Uh, we will think of another topic this coming week and if again you have any topics simply go to anchor.fm slash aka sports or you can leave us a message on facebook.com slash aka sports fb we're going to try to go back and forth through some of the more serious conversations like the one we had today versus other ones that might be more of our opinion based maybe some top 10 something along those lines uh but fletch thank you again for joining us here today um Hopefully, uh, this conversation was a good one for you. Um, oh, thanks. This is always one of my favorite conversations, um, and I'm glad we got to bring or shed a little bit of light on the situation as well and kind of educate the people at home on these different avenues, but also kind of discuss the pros and cons of all three of these different avenues as far as going pro as a basketball player. So it was a pleasure to do that with you, man. Um, I'm looking forward to this weekend's games as well. 
Uh, next week we'll come back, you know, high and heavy with a new topic. And uh, yeah, hope all is well. Also, hit me on Twitter at AKA Sports Pod. Um, if you uh, want to converse or also, like Clark mentioned, if you have any topics, hit me there. I am active. It is us. It is not a facade. It is us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Definitely reach out. Give us some topics that maybe you want to talk about as well, and we'll consider them for future episodes. As for now, we are out of here. My name is Clark Heron, a.k.a. The Hairy Hobo. That's Fletch, and we're out of here.